Hey, my name's TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us. We're in a series called uh, The Hustle and trying to make sense of our dollars and cents and making the financial aspects of things in life work. And here's what I know is that all of us are dealing with financial things in life and some of us are doing really well in it. A lot of us are stressed out, maxed out, just overwhelmed by financial things. And, and so we, we said, hey, we're, we're gonna do a series. We're gonna teach some financial principles and believe God's gonna speak to you in some really, really profound and interesting ways. And be honest with you, this week, I've struggled a lot because I, I had a message prepared that I thought would be an incredible message that would really impact you. And God has been messing with me all week uh, and saying, hey, that's, that's a good message. In fact, that message is right here on the back of this God. Every, every week, we put some message notes in there where you can fill out and, and follow along and fill in the blanks and do all of those things. And I mean, this is an incredible, incredible message right here, uh, the super practical that's would probably actually help a lot of you in some really profound ways. In fact, it might be the best message I would ever preach in my life, but we will never know that because this week, uh, uh, after I'd sent all this stuff in and they'd printed all this stuff and uh, God was like, hey, you're, you're, you're kind of being uh, disobedient to what I want you to do. And is it okay if, if I'm just obedient to God today? Yeah. Is, that, is that okay? You know, we read a scripture last week in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. It says, if you are willing and obedient... You will eat the best of the land. And, and there's a lot of times in life, and maybe your life is like my life, that there's what I want to do, and then there's what God wants to do. And what I want to do and what God wants to do are not the same thing. Anybody else ever experienced that? Am I the only one? Okay. There's some of you that have never sinned in your life, and uh, you're like, no, I've, I've always done everything that God, or God wants to do everything that I'm doing. I don't know how you look at it. Uh, but this week, I mean, God was like, hey, that's, that's great, but that's not what your church needs. And uh, my responsibility as a pastor is not to give people what they want, but to preach what they need. And, uh, and so I, I'm going to kind of go out there on a limb today, and this message is not uh, fully put. Th this message is fully put together. I'm just going to tell you that right now. This message is like full. It's got jokes. It's got stories. It's got, it's got like all the things that make like a really good message. And I can just talk a little bit more real with y'all because I don't have a time limit in this service. So in case you didn't know that, this is the service where TJ just talks as long as he wants because he doesn't have a time limit. Some people are like, yes. Other people are like, dang, we picked the wrong service. Uh, <laughs> And so, and so this has all the, this, this is a little rough around the edges. It, it, it's not, it's not like perfect, but I, I really heard the, the Lord speak to me this week, uh, hence why I'm changing the message. And this, it came out of a, a verse in Hosea chapter four, verse six. It says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So a lot of things that destroy people. And uh, God said, my people, meaning people that follow and believe me, they're being destroyed from this lack of knowledge. And listen, economies go up and down. We all know that. Stock markets go up and down. Some of us experienced that this week. But there's one thing that never changes, and that's the Word of God. The Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if God has spoken it, like he is obligated because of his word that it has to follow through. And God's word is truth. 
and he has called me to preach the truth. And it's through his truth that I believe that some of us are going to experience some, some freedom, particularly when it comes to this area of finances. And in that verse, it says, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. It's not like we don't have a whole bunch of smart people sitting in this room. Because I, I know many of you, and you have PhDs, and you're doctors, and you're finance people, and you're, you're highly, highly intelligent. That word knowledge there is not referring to your intelligence. It's referring to this idea that uh, it's not about information. It's about revelation. My people are destroyed because they have not had the revelation that they need. It's this thing that's at the core of who you are that changes everything. And God's going, man, there's a lot of people right now that are, that are being bombarded and being destroyed financially in life because they haven't had a revelation of, of what this is all about and how to have me involved in their finances and in their, actually in their world. And so my prayer today is, is that God would not just give you a whole bunch of information because we don't need more information, but the Holy Spirit would work in your heart and your mind and open your eyes, open your ears, open your heart to receive the revelation that he has for you. And then ultimately my prayer is, is that you would be obedient to it. Because God can reveal things to you, but there is an aspect that God is not this God that's gonna force you to do things. He's going to give you the opportunity to. But there is an obedience aspect that we have got to walk in. That's why it said in that previous verse, if we are willing and obedience, there's a will part. we got to submit our will to his will. And we got to submit our desires to his desires. Then we will eat the best of the land. So I want to pray for us. And then I believe that God is going to speak to us. Is that cool? Whether it's not, it doesn't matter. I have the microphone, so we're going to do it. <laughs> Just saying today. The options I have. So let's pray. God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would fall in this place. God, that you would prepare our hearts and our minds for what you have to say. God, let these words not be my words, but God, I know I'm going to say things, and you're going to say something completely different to every single person in here based on where they are in life. God, and I pray that it wouldn't be information that would just go in one ear and out the others, but God, it would be revelation that would pierce the depths of our heart. That you would make yourself known in this place and God, you would transform us from the inside out because that's what you're about. You're about transformation of our hearts. So do what only you can do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, if, if you're a guest here with us, please please understand this is not normal. I'm, I'm a preacher at heart. And so what, kind of what happens is, is I, I read a scripture, I yell a little bit, I tell a story. Then I read another scripture, I yell a little bit, I tell a story. It's great for me. Uh, I don't know how it is for you. Apparently, a lot of people like it because we got like six services. And, uh, but today, I'm going to be a little bit different. I, I believe that God has called me to teach you some things. And particularly teach you, teach you one thing and just dive really down deep in it. And it's a principle we talk about a lot, uh, but we don't go in real depth. In fact, I don't think I've taught particularly on the depth of this in like five or six years. Um, so it's been a long time as, as the pastor of the church. And, and honestly, it's because it's dealing with the thing that's, that's most near and dear to all of our hearts. And so uh, if you're going to take notes today, which I suggest you do, so the only way you're going to remember some of this, number one, and it's the only point we have, uh, so it's easy to put down. It's hard to live out is we have got to put God first. We've got to put 
God first. We're going to look at two verses, particularly in that area when it comes to our resources and when our finances. Two verses, and we're going to look at some words in there, and we're going to talk about them. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Second verse, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, it says this, Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all of your income. And he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest wines. Now, can you throw back up the Malachi verse there? It says, bring the whole tithe. That word tithe there references uh, 10%. It's a biblical term for the first part, the first 10%. Proverbs chapter 3 refers to it as honor the Lord by giving him the first part, which is in reference to that word right there, tithe. He says, hey, what God wants is God wants to be the first aspect of your life. The first part of not just... Uh, some parts, but he wants to be the first part in every part of your life. He says, man, honor the Lord by bringing the tithe to a particular place. He says, the place that I want you to bring it to is the storehouse, which is referring to the temple or the place of worship in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it would be the local church. And he says, listen, you are to bring that first part. It's signifying intentionality that you are going, hey, God is first in my life. And so I'm intentionally going to set something aside and I'm going to bring that to God because he is a priority in my life. This right here is establishing priority in life. It's not happenstance. It's not by, oh man, I just felt like something. No, no, no. I made a physical choice that God is going to rule and reign in this area of my life. He says, here's where you bring it to. You bring it to your local place of worship. You bring it to the place where you are planted in life, not to some other charity not to some other nonprofit. I'm all about all of this. I, I give to other nonprofits. I give to other charities. But the first part belongs to God and the thing that he said he would build, his church. But TJ, why, why would I do that? Like, what does that benefit me? I'll tell you how it benefits you. Psalm chapter 92, verses 12 and 13. It says, the righteous... That word righteous is a person with right standing with God. The only way you can be in right standing with God is if God is the number one thing in your life. That's how you're right with God. You're justified through faith, through Jesus Christ. You, you have right standing with God. But if you're, gonna, if you're gonna be in right standing after you receive salvation, it means that God is number one because he's not just your Lord, but he's your savior as well. A lot of them have us, God is my savior, but he's not your Lord. Lord means he's number one. That's how you're, righteous you're in right standing so when you're in right standing it says you will flourish like a palm tree that verse continues on and it says you will grow to be like the cedars of Lebanon in other words you're going to have fruitfulness in your life it says planted in the house of the Lord they will flourish in the courts of the Lord notice it says planted in the house see a lot of us in life we are planted uh, we aren't planted in the house. What we are is we are potted in life. 
See, we don't ever put down roots because we uproot ourselves and we go from place to place to place to place, 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 place. And we never actually get rooted in a place. It's what we call a church hoe here. You're jumping around from one church to another church. Oh, I like this one. Oh, this one gives me good feelings. And this one, you know what? The, the, the reason we call it a church hoe is because there's no depth to that relationship. You're just using every single one for what you can get out of it. And here's what I know. You'll never have intimacy in that place. You'll never have depth in that place. Depth only comes from commitment. It says when you take yourself out of the pot and you go into the soil and you go, I'm going to go down deep. And when you start to go down deep, what happens is, is you begin to flourish. That word flourish is defined as blooming. It's the idea of during allergy season when every single plant is in full bloom. There is pollen everywhere and you're coughing and people think you got coronavirus and you're like, no, it's just allergies. I'm not sick. But you're coughing because why? Every tree, every flower is in bloom. You walk outside and your vehicle is covered. With pollen, you're like, what's up with all this yellow stuff all over my black truck? And God's saying what happens is when you get planted in my house and making me a priority, what happens in your life is your life starts to bloom. It starts to cover every single aspect of who you are. It starts to impact and affect everything in your life. And the reason we flourish and we bloom is because we're bringing the tithe to him because it already belongs to him. It belongs to him. In fact, in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, it says this, One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It must be set apart to him as holy. Who does it belong to? Okay, it's not a trick question. I think it's highlighted. I haven't tried to help you out right there. It belongs to who? The Lord. Belongs to the Lord. Right here, what God is doing is he's establishing Levitical law. The people of, of the children of Israel are just coming out of captivity in Egypt. God is establishing them as a people. And he's going, hey, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. And here's how that's going to play out. Here's how you'll know. I'll know that I'm your God and you're my people. You're going to set 10% apart for me. I'm going to establish that. And I know some of you are going, but TJ, that's Old Testament law. Didn't, didn't Jesus get rid of the Old Testament law? Can't we just throw that all away? That's cool that we like that idea, but we're also not throwing away. Do not murder, are we? We still like that rule. Like, we like the rule, can my wife still be my wife? We like, please don't take my stuff without asking me. And so we go, no, no, that's old ways. Like Jesus never talked about that, right? What if Jesus said that? If Jesus said it, would you believe it? Okay, I'm not, I'm, everybody's just giving me blank stares right now. Yeah, would we believe that? Okay, we got one person back there with two thumbs up. Okay, let me show you. Jesus actually says you should put God first and tithe, okay? Matthew 23, 23. He's talking to some religious people. He says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law? 
And you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb garden. So they were, they were counting herbs. Uh, but you ignore, <laughs> sorry, you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Then Jesus says this, in case you can't see it, we even highlighted it for you. You should tithe. There it is in red letters. It's actually kind of pink on there, but it's, it's all good. You get the concept. He says, like, listen, it's not just about that. He says, yes, you should do that. But there's some other important things as well. It's an important aspect. He's trying to get us to understand that, listen, it, it's all mine. It all belongs to me. This past week, our, our staff, we were at, all at a conference learning and growing and trying to be better pastors and ministry leaders and do better programming for you guys. And while we were gone, um, we have a great Dane. His name is Preacher. He's like 130 pounds. He is a miniature horse. He destroys our house when we're not around. And so we, we always ask somebody to stay with him. And there's a guy in our church that has somehow tamed him some way, somehow. I, we haven't figured out how to do it, but uh, he's got him tamed. And his name is Brandon. And, and so... Imagine this week as we were gone and we're on our way home and that Brandon were to call me up and go, hey, Pastor TJ, you know what? This week, God has really been speaking to me. He's been revealing some things and he's been challenging me to be generous in my life. And, and you know what? Because he's been challenging me to be generous, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you your house. I'd be like, Brandon, are you smoking crack in my house? <laughs> it's my house. You can't, you can't give me my house. Like, that's not how this works. You can't give me something that I already own. If you notice in the words of Malachi, it says, bring to me. Why does God tell us to bring the tithe to him? Because you don't own it. He's not asking you to give something. He's asking you to bring something. And the reason he says bring it is because it's already in his possession. And so many of us think, well, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I'll work for that. Who gave you that ability to work? I made that happen. Who gave you those hands to build that? You don't understand. That was my intellectual property. Who gave you a brain to even think? But my talent took me there. Yeah, you're talented, but who gave you that talent? Well, I worked hard. Who gave you the ability to work hard? No, I was driven to accomplish that. Who gave you drive? See, it all belongs to him. Every single part of it, every ounce of who you are is derived and given and put in your hands by him. I wrote it down like this. I said, there is a difference between being entitled and being trusted. When we feel entitled, we feel like everything is already ours. But when we feel trusted, we realize that we are just stewards. And we've got to get rid of this mine mentality. This is mine. You know who says mine? Three-year-olds. Hey, how are you doing? Mine. Can I see mine? 
mine, mine. That's, and you just want to go, no, I'm going to punch you in the face. That's what you want. Like, you don't do that. Uh, and then they learn the next word, no. Can I have that? No. Can I see that? No. Why? Because we automatically get entitled in life. It's natural. And God's going, no, 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 no. You've got to recognize who all this belongs to. Whose this is. Parents, have you, have you said to your teenager, as long as you live in this house, come on, parents, where are you at? As long as you live in this house, you know what God would say to a lot of us? As long as you live in this house. That bed you're sleeping, you, you think that's your bed? No, that's my bed. I'll pay for that bed. Those, those are your shoes? Oh, really? I'm pretty sure that my hard-earned cash pay for those shoes. Some of us are like three-year-olds, and then others of us are like spoiled teenagers. And God's going, man, it's, it's all mine. And what's the problem? It's really a heart issue. It's not a money issue. It's a heart issue. It really has nothing to do with our money. It has everything to do with our heart. And what God is trying to reveal and what he's trying to get us to understand is, where is our heart? That's why in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, it says the purpose of tithing, the purpose of it, the intention of it, is to teach us to what put God first in our lives. To make him Number one, that word teach means to, to, to uh, become skillful or to become trained in something. And we've got to train ourselves to put God first in our lives because it is not natural for us to put God first in our lives. It's natural for us to grab whatever thing is out there and make it our ultimate. Whatever we desire in that moment and make it our ultimate. But if you want to make something happen, you've got to train yourself. You're going to be diligent in some things to do that. And what God is after is God is after our hearts. See, this entire passage in Malachi, he's talking about money, but what he's really talking about, if you go back to verse 7, is he's talking about your heart. Because this is what he says to the people of Israel. In verse 7, he says, return to me, and I'll return to you. That word return there is the same New Testament word we would use for repent. In other words, you're heading in this direction. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn 180 degrees and, and come back to me. Because other things you are chasing in life, other things you're making a priority in your life, and I need you to neglect those things and return back to me. This is actually the last thing that God is saying to the children of Israel at the end of the Old Testament. He's going, you have lost your way. Like, your ways, as you're running after all of these things, you're physically present, but spiritually, you're, you're running after all these other gods, little g-gods. Because you think that they will bring what only I can bring. Here's what I need you to do. I need to return to me. It's the same, same verse, same concept that's out of James where he says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. He says, man, if you'll turn and you'll start to take that step because I'm after your heart, it will, all of a sudden, your heart will start to be drawn to me. 
And he's saying this to them, and then for 400 years, God goes silent. 400 years. I want your heart. And Jesus comes on the scene. He's still addressing the same issue. He's going, you look good. You got it all together. That's what he says in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. These people, those people, they honor me with their lips. And they know all the words of that song. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. I'm not on the worship team. That's why I'm. <laughs> They've got the religious jargon down. How are you doing? Man, I'm blessed and highly favored. We don't even know what that means. But it sounds good, right? Lip service. He said, but their hearts, what they value, what is most important to them, so distant. What God has been after, some kids having a good time in kids' classroom right now. What God is after is God is after your heart. Because he knows if he gets your heart, everything else in your life follows. But there's one thing that seems to be near and dear to our heart. To Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus says, your heart will be where your treasure is. But Pastor TJ, God knows my heart. Yes, he does. And it's revealed by how you spend your money and your time. Reveals your heart. Tells God everything he needs to know about your heart. And there's things that are competing for our heart constantly that are really, really good things. Like important things, like top five things, just not number one things. Like your career, important thing, just shouldn't be the number one thing. Parents, your children, important thing, but should not be the number one thing. Do you realize, parents, that your kids are a temporary assignment in your life? Train up in the child in the way they should go. The goal of parenting is that they will go. You don't want a 35-year-old still at home mooching off you. That's a sign for some of you that are still 35 mooching off mom at home. Those are good things to invest your time and your resources in, but not your ultimate thing. Food, important aspect of life. Can we, all, can we all agree that we all need food? Okay, if you don't agree with that, you must be fasting for eternity. That's awesome. You're way more spiritual than me. Food, important thing, but it shouldn't be the ultimate thing. It's the thing Shayla battles all the time. Food is her God. She's not here, so I can say that. This is Vegas, so what happens here stays here as well. <laughs> FYI, don't be texting her. 
She doesn't need to hear what I say. And if we'll get this, it's not about our stuff. It's about our stuff having us. It's about those things in life taking a place that only God should ever have. And we understand that it's all about our heart and we start to get this area under control. What it begins to do is it begins to release God's favor in your life. And I don't know about you, but God's favor is way more important to my life than man's favors. A lot of us are seeking man's favors thinking it's going to take us to places that only God's favor can take us to. That only God's hand can take us to. And God's favor is on God's people when they trust him. Completely. There's a great passage of scripture in Genesis chapter 4. It's a famous story of Cain and Abel. It says this in Genesis chapter 4, verses 2 through 5. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel. My prayer is is that God would look with favor on every single one of us. That's, a, that's, that's what I, I want in life. As I want God's favor on my life. Favor ain't fair. That's what I've learned. When I have favor, it ain't fair for you, but it's awesome for me. And I want that in my life. And his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Now, the first time I read that, I was like, that's messed up. Like, what's up with that? Both guys gave, and yet one was found favorable and the other was not. Like, does that mess up to anybody else but me? Okay, there's a few of us that we think that, come on, if you think that's messed up, come on, raise your hand. Just be proud of it. I think it's messed up. I'm like, both gave. What's up with that, God? Are you like any me and my mowing it? Are you like just picking favor? You're like, I like how you look. Too bad, son. You look good, girl. Dude, you got nothing going for you. You're all like, like, is that how God's choosing? He just feels like whatever he feels like in that moment. Like, is he just like flipping it like that? Like, what's the deal? Where's, where's the principled nature of God? But the principled nature of God is revealed and there. Because like in verse 4, it gives us the reason why one had favor. It said, uh, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. In other words, he said, God, I'm going to put you first in my life. Before I ever know if my flock is going to have seconds or thirds or 25ths, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to make you my source instead of treating you like a resource. And because I put you as my priority, in other words, I made you my ultimate. I put God first in my life. What happens is when I put God first in my life, the favor of God comes onto my life. But what does it say about Cain? It says, in the course of time, in other words, when Cain felt like it, he brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. So after Cain had paid his mortgage payment, He'd taken care of Visa and MasterCard and American Express after Cain had taken care of the cable bill and AT&T cell phone bill and his internet bill. He's like, God, here's some leftovers. And God's like, "Uh uh-uh.
It'd be like, man, if tomorrow, because I can't do it today, I went to Chick-fil-A. And I got a number one with a lemonade like Kanye. And I drank that lemonade, and I ate those waffle fries with lots of salt on them. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Some of y'all are Chick-fil-A sauce fans. I'm not, okay? I know you can put it on your doorpost right now to keep you from coronavirus. At least that's what's on the Internet. (laughs) I'm not saying that's true. (laughs) You might catch some other things with that. Uh, And then I ate half that. Chick-fil-A sandwich, and I put it back in the bag. And I took it home, and I said, babe, man, I love you. I was thinking about you. Here you go. And I handed her a half-eaten Chick-fil-A sandwich. What do you think she's going to do? She's going to punch me in the face. She's going to tell you what she's going to do. Why? Because Shayla doesn't want leftover love from me. But a lot of us, that's how we treat God. God, here's my leftovers. I went through McDonald's and I found some fries that my kids dropped in the seat. Here you go. I love you. Nothing spells love like two-year-old McDonald's fries. And it's kind of ironic because the disparity between what we say and what we do is pretty evident. And I just wrote this down. I said, if God is at the end of our priorities, how can we expect him to bless us with his best? If you actually go to the book of Deuteronomy, God says, give me the first 10% and I will bless the rest. He says, but if you keep it all, it'll be 100% cursed. And my wife and I, we, we learned this. I, I told you the story last week when we first got married. We, we got ourselves in a major, major credit card debt. $25,000, 28.99% consumer interest rate. We were making nothing at the time. I remember we looked at our financial world and we were like, man, we are in so much trouble. And it was at that time that a good friend of mine who ended up becoming a spiritual mentor in my life, particularly in the area of finances, he showed me this verse In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. And it says, test me in this. And I was like, man, this does not make any financial sense. I I broke out my spreadsheet. I'm a numbers guy. If you get to know me, I I, I love numbers. I love things that make sense. I'm I'm all about analytical, put it together, all that kind of stuff. And, And I put together my spreadsheet and I said, man, I can't afford to tithe. Like it doesn't make, like if I tithe, I won't have enough to even survive, let alone pay all my bills. Like I can't do that. And he said, man, test God in this. And so what we did is we tested God in that. And and we did that. And within one year, we'd paid off all of our debt. It made no sense whatsoever. Logically, it it still doesn't make sense to me. But this is what I know. For almost the last 20 years, my wife and I, we have been faithful tithers. We've been faithful in generosity because generosity begins above the tithe. The tithe is returning to God. At 11% is when you start to be generous. Just FYI. And today I look at it and go, man, back then I couldn't afford to, die, to tithe. Today I can't afford not to tithe. 
Because 90% with God's blessing on it goes way further than 100% with a curse on it. But here's what I know for every single one of you here today that have have never taken that step to fully surrender everything to God. Because that's what this is all about. It's about fully surrendering all of your life. Which is ironic because we'll trust God for salvation and eternity. But we can't trust him for today. Like how much is our eternity worth? (laughs) Like we can't even see, we can't even imagine yet. But we don't think he can do anything in our life today. It's just real talk. 1245. Since you awake, we're going to get real. But here's what I know. It's, 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 it's going to require faith of you. Because what I'm talking about in the world system will never make sense to you. Because our ways are not God's ways. And our thoughts are not God's thoughts. It's just one of those things that He's looking for lives that are surrendered. That fully put their trust in him. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith, which is an interesting, God could have chose any word. He says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. See, I would have thought he would have chosen without love, without grace, Without mercy, no, but that's not the word that God chose. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Why? Because faith requires that I trust him in something I can't see. Faith requires that I trust him in something I can't comprehend. Faith requires that I take a step into an unknown and trust a known God in an unknown situation. Because what that is, is it's a moment where we go, God, I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm relying on you. Which isn't that God's goal for our life? That we would fully and completely, 100% rely on him. He says, and it is. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That word earnestly is a, it's a heart word. It's, it's with everything that you have. You can't earnestly, you can't halfway seek him. You have to earnestly with all that you are, with all that you have. And here's what God says. He says, when you earnestly seek, this is what I do. I reward The premise is, is that I have to earnestly seek with all that I have. And the, the promise is, is that God rewards. That word reward is the same word for favor. It's the same word for blessing that we find in Malachi chapter 3. It says, bring the whole tithe in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. And we read that and we're like, man, what, is, what exactly does that mean? Does that mean like worldly blessing? Like I'm going to have a Bentley with 22s and a house on the beach and 
Louie and Gucci and Prada are going to be my friends? Maybe. I don't know. Because that's automatically where we go to as Americans because we're consumeristic in life. But what if the blessings of God aren't necessarily material things, but there's something that he deposits in us that in spite of what's happening around us, there's something that can't be taken from us. What if the blessing is the fact that right now people are freaking out over coronavirus. Oh my God, we're all gonna die. And they're freaking out. But you're not freaking out. Why? Because you have the peace that surpasses all understanding. Sorry, I had to wake some people up. That's why I had to do that. (laughs) But seriously, they're going, why aren't you freaking out? Aren't you scared? Aren't you overwhelmed? No, I'm not because I have a peace that surpasses understanding. They can't be bought. They can't be acquired. Through anything of your own doing, it only comes from the source. What are the blessings of God are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. They're things that cannot be stolen by this world but can only be given in the depths of our soul. not saying that God doesn't want you to have nice things. I'm all about you driving a Maserati and living in that neighborhood and carrying that Valentino bag, whatever. But all those things will waste away. What remains is faith, hope, and love. And that's the goal for every single one of our lives, that we would have things in our life that would outlast those things. Because houses age, clothes fall apart, cars break down, but peace, love, joy, patience. God, give us patience. If you live in South Florida, you need that. That's a spiritual gift right there. (laughs) And those... Man, if you could package those things up and sell them, they would be priceless. Why? Because they're the blessings of God. Listen, as good as this world is, man, Parkland and South Florida is amazing, but heaven, heaven is so much better. And what's funny is we live for such a minute period of time, you're going to be lucky if you last 100 years. It's like this big. In comparison to eternity, that's like. So here's the question, church. How's your heart? And I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking the church just needs my money. We don't need your money. If you think that, because I don't want something from you. I want something for you. I would go say write a check, but nobody has a check anymore. Go online. Google another church. Church for the Glaze, great church. Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, great church. Mary Hilton Christian right down the street. Give, give your money to them. 
Because I'm trying to get you to put God first in your life. I don't care where that is. I mean, it's, it's obvious he says it, 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 to bring it to his house. So it, it, it has to be to his house. And that would be the place where you worship. But I would challenge you to do it. Go, go Google a church and give it to them. It's not going to hurt my feelings. God has always provided for this house. Why? Because his word is true. We as a church, we tithe. Do you know that? We're not just telling you to do something. We practice it as a church. First 10% goes out of this house. Everything you give, 10% is going to make a difference in this world. Why? Because it's not just a principle for you. It's not just a principle for me. It's a principle for this house. It's why we're blessed. It's why the favor of God is on this place. It's why on Easter we have to do eight services over three days. It's why, it's why all those things are happening. Why? Because we trust God. Because he is not our resource. He is our source. Man, and if we get that part right, everything else seems to fall in line. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, I thank you that you are the ultimate source of everything. And this whole thing that we're talking about, this Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, where you say, test me in this. This is the ultimate test of our heart. Because what it begins to do is it begins to reveal the little G gods that have taken the almighty God's place in our life. And there are constant things that are coming up trying to take that place. God, I pray right now that you begin to reveal those things. That you begin to reveal those areas that have become our ultimate. And that, God, that we would return to you today, just like it said in verse 7. That we would repent. And we'd ask you to forgive us. And that, God, we would reappoint you as the ultimate in our life. Not just our Savior, but actually our Lord. Where we would surrender all to you. All of our heart. All of our soul. All of our mind. All of our strength. All of our identity. All of our worth. All of our value. And we would find all of that. Through the one who established it anyways. You, the creator. God, thank you for being so gracious to every single one of us. Extending your grace and your mercy chance after chance after chance because that's who you are. You're a good God. You're a faithful God. God, as we surrender to you, God, I pray that you would fill us with the fruit of your spirit. You fill us from the depths of our soul to the top of our head and that your hand of favor would rest 